Winners of 16 straight games, these Suns treated us to an incredible holiday weekend. I will recap both wins in New York City, look forward to the Golden State Warriors game, and talk about why, again, as I said going into the weekend, this Suns team has to be the top NBA favorite for the title. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know why we're still waiting on this. It is not a joke anymore. All of it coming up on Locked on Suns. Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked on Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean. Credentialed media member covering the Suns the past five seasons. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single weekday. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for finding us on YouTube, for subscribing to the YouTube channel, which I actually have to talk about real quick before we get any further. Of course, thank you for listening as well wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, wherever you love to listen, we are there for you. Today's show, guys, is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out prizepix.com and use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. More from them later in the show. More on these Suns. After two massive wins, 16 straight, they went into New York City over the weekend, celebrated Thanksgiving together in Manhattan, and then went ahead and made a pretty bad, a sour holiday weekend for the home teams. So we'll get to that. I did the announcement. So I said going into the weekend uh, on the show on Wednesday, if you guys listened or watched, that I had a winner for the Valley Proud Towel Rolling to night, N-Y-T-E. I'm going to give you one more day, Roland, to give me a, a message, to DM me or something. I, I need to know your name and your address so I can mail you the envelope. If you want, if you prefer a P.O. box or a friend's house or whatever, out of privacy concerns or some other form of getting it to you, I don't care. I just need to know who you are. So please get a hold of me, DM me on Twitter, email me comment on the video, make a review on the podcast, whatever you got to do. Just want to get that to you, sir. If I don't hear from you by um, the next time I record, which will be uh, Monday afternoon, Monday evening at around 5.30 Arizona time, I am going to do another selection. So I don't want you to miss that. Okay. Takeaways from these two wins. I don't even... It's been more than a month since the Suns won a game, I guess is the easiest way to recap my state of mind here. But I will, I do have plenty of actual thoughts here on these games, but I do, I do just feel like you have to kind of just like, I have to just say 16 straight and then almost just like kind of sit back and like, uh, really let it wash over me. Um, because that in and of itself is enough of a takeaway on Tuesday night against the Golden State Warriors at home. On national TV, the Suns will have a chance to tie their franchise record for win streak at 17. And on Thursday, if they win on Tuesday, they will have the chance to break it at home against the Detroit Pistons. So big week and two big matchups against the Warriors, which I will talk a little bit about today and tomorrow. But the big takeaway here from these two games in 
particular is the way that the Suns are controlling the possession game. And first, I mean, these games were pretty different. So I don't necessarily want to like kind of group them together too much and try to make the same exact conclusions from both. So I'll actually just start with the Nets game because I think it's more of a trend overall than the Knicks game was. The Knicks game, for, for all intents and purposes, was pretty much a blowout. Um, and so things were not necessarily as easy to kind of, you know, put into perspective. But in this Nets game, the pace overall was uh, at 101 possessions, which is pretty bonkers in, in general. But what it really showed us, because the Suns, uh, lim- neither team really dominated the offensive glass. I mean, JaVale McGee and James Johnson in the bench minutes really attacked the offensive glass. But for the most part, neither team really had a huge game on the boards in that way. The Nets turned the ball over a ton, which contributed to that pace. And the Suns only got 17 assists. So this was not your typical, you know, guns blazing, Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire and everybody sharing the ball and running around. This was a unique game. But even with all of those unique caveats, the the pace was high. And the seconds per shot, which is more accurate to use than straight up pace because what it tells you is more based on the offense, right? Because pace, you know, if one team plays really slow, one team plays really fast, it's going to average out to be somewhere in the middle. But the way to know, well, what, how quick did that actual, the fast team actually play is to look at seconds per offensive possession. And the Suns this season so far, I don't, I, I don't think there's anywhere to get it game by game, at least not publicly, but over the course of the season, very much exemplified in this Nets game, the Suns are at 14 seconds per uh, possession, per offensive possession. That's fourth highest, fourth fastest in the NBA. Only the Warriors, which makes that matchup even more exciting, the Hornets with LaMelo Ball and the, and the Spurs, who have a bunch of guards and aren't very good, are higher. And the Spurs, it's basically a tie. So really, the Suns are, are basically tied for third. Um, and then Golden State and Charlotte are basically tied as well, about 0.1 seconds higher than that. The reason that's relevant and important and fascinating is last season, the Suns were all the way down in 18th place in seconds per shot, uh, you know, per possession offensively. And they were all the way down to 14.78. So more than point, uh Basically, so they're at 14.08 now, 14.78 last season. So almost a full second slower per offensive possession. You think over the course of a whole season, that really starts to add up. That's pretty pretty noteworthy. And that Nets game was really where we saw that happen. The Suns were obviously, like I said, turning Brooklyn over a ton. They were, you know, getting out in transition because of those turnovers, turning defense into offense. But what really happened as well is... When they had the ball, they are just playing so connected, so much on a string that it, it they just find these crevices for shots that are ridiculous. So Mikhail Bridges had seven steals. I'm going to talk about him when I recap sort of the biggest positives of this game, uh, of these, these two games. That was a big part. Nobody, ha- like I said, the Suns only had 17 steals. So what's ridiculous is okay. So yeah, points off of turnovers. They had um, the Suns had twenty points off of turnovers. So that played a big part in it. And a lot of those aren't going to be assists. If one guy just gets the ball off of a steal and runs it to the basket, that's pretty clear. 
But to have that quick of a pace without having that many assists is what part of is just part of what makes this so ridiculous. And I will say too, you know, a possession where JaVale McGee gets a putback, I believe gets count. I don't know how that's get, that gets counted, but I would imagine it shortens that a little bit, right? Because, the, but the clock resets to 14. So that's actually something to look into, but I'm sure that on a game where JaVale is, is active on those putbacks, it helps as well. But point being low assists and high steals and fast pace is such a fascinating confluence of things that this Suns team is able to do. And it shows that they are playing in such a way where they're they're sharing the ball, but everybody also has that green light. Everybody's in rhythm. Everybody's comfortable. And it's just like, it's like nothing else. And I think the to close, the Knicks game actually exemplified this as well, because um, in this game, the Knicks actually had 17 offensive rebounds in large part because Mitchell Robinson is a freak and Obi Toppin is uh, pretty active. Nerlens Noel too, and only 15 turnovers. So a little bit less there. But in this case, the pace was actually much slower because the uh, Knicks were missing a bunch of shots. So the Suns were running off of those misses. They got fewer turnovers forced in this Knicks game. Only, again, 15, like I said. But they actually scored more points off of those turnovers, 25, than they did against the Nets. So they were more efficient in that uh, I guess conversion rate, right? Of getting those turnovers and actually turning them into points. You add into that, they were, they had 28 assists in this game. And then the other part of the sort of connectedness and cohesion, this team has the best chemistry in the NBA. So I'll just say that. And the, the example in this game of that, those 28 assists, but only 11 turnovers. So basically they march into your building or the footprint center they size you up and they do exactly what the hell they need to do to beat you. And that's what they do. And they're getting to this point now too, where the defense and offense are so figured out. They know what they are on both of those ends. And now they're marching in there and they're saying, we're not even going to give you any extra bit of, we're not going to give you any ounce of ability to turn any of our mistakes. Cause we're not going to make that many or any inches that you might think you're going to get based on how we play or how the game's going, those are gone too. So the margin for error for any opponent for this Suns team right now is so incredibly small that I can't even imagine how much of a pain in the butt they are to play. So I want to get into a few of the, the, the characters who made that go, but undeniably my takeaway here was, uh, was just that. The ability to control the possession game on top of all the other amazing and excellent things that the Suns already do. I want to start the next segment with Mikhail Bridges. I, I'm obsessed with this guy, as you all know, but seven steals, 10 total over the weekend. Have to start there. First though, quick word from Prize Picks: Daily fantasy made easy. We love it here at the Locked On Podcast Network, and we know our listeners will as well, which is why I'm here to tell you about it. Prize Picks has the best NBA daily fantasy prop game on the market. It offers more NBA props than any other prop operator and has all of the superstar players as well as the bench guys for you to sort through every day as well. Here's why that's important because, of course, most times, well, you're not going to play those bench guys, right? They're, they're, they're slum. They're not going to, you're not going to go pick a, an eighth man in your prop, your, your, your lineup, right? But in this case, you're betting props. 
and you can do it from any league. So you can combine NBA and NFL if you'd like to. And the reason those bench guys are important is because you can bet on their props as well. So what you're doing is not accumulating stats like fantasy. You are betting the prop lines on each player. And then from there, you are accumulating points and beating the spread. You're beating the projected number. So you're not competing against another lineup or a pool or anything like that. For instance, let's say you go over on Cameron Payne assists and you go under on uh, next week, the Cardinals are playing the Bears. You go under on Bears points. That's the type of thing. Or you go over on maybe Andy Dalton interceptions, right? That's the kind of bet you can make. That's the kind of lineup you can make over at Prize Picks. So don't hesitate. Check them out. PrizePicks.com, promo code NBA, or download their app today. Prize Picks, daily fantasy made easy. Today's show also brought to you by DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device. That lets you stream your favorite sports live. You've got another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. And you've got your neighbor's best friends login as well for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle. And a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, no annual contracts. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device requires. Content varies by package. Seven steals. A career-high seven steals for Mikhail Bridges on Saturday night in Brooklyn. 41 minutes. Five steals per game, admittedly a small sample size, but he had three in the first game in this back-to-back, and he added 13 points against the Nets and 10 against the Knicks. So I think we just need to take a minute. I want to get to Devin Booker as well, who scored 30 points in both of these games, loves playing in New York, loves playing on the road. Probably the number one ingredient to why this Suns team is so great out away from Phoenix is because Book is so incredible doing it. So I, I'm not going to forget him. But we have to just take a second with with with, uh, with Mikhail here first because a career high calls for it. Um, David Nash at the four-point play, who I'm sure all of you know, <laughs> he has been on this show numerous times and is uh, Sun's Twitter favorite, but he had an excellent thread um, I mean, it's just a great place to go to, to see all these clips, of course, but I liked the main point of it. I mean, even outside of the semantics of each play, he basically just said it was the most impactful defensive game that Mikhail had ever played. And, you know, maybe in terms of like the, the scale or the stakes of the game, you might pick a playoff game to, to go above that, right? I mean, defending LeBron probably was up there or, you know, some of the other ones against Paul George and everybody else. But I totally agree with where David is coming from because in addition to those seven steals, you look at the guy that he guarded who, yes, had a very puffed up triple-double, played 40 minutes and got his triple-double, but barely cleared the threshold in all categories and had seven turnovers. But most importantly, only 12 points, four of 15 from the field, and was not a positive force for the team. Minus eight. The Nets got outscored in the eight minutes or in the 40 minutes that Harden played, they were outscored by eight. In the other eight minutes, that means that they outscored Phoenix by 14 points. So 
I think it's not hard to see why Mikhail's impact was so big. I also feel like we got to talk about the Knicks game because, well, I, actually, I'm not done with the Nets game. The other thing that I've been harping on uh, in a good way that I've been talking up and, and praising about Mikhail all season is he is a one man when he when he has the positioning and he has a step on the the off the opposing offense he can be straight up a one man transition defense he fills space he take covers ground like nobody in the league he gets so many turnovers that way and he communicates and he finds the man who may not be covered maybe behind the arc maybe streaking to the basket and he's going to get him and take him and cover him, or he's going to tell a teammate to do so. And a Nets team that was playing really fast, that was finding a lot of success doing that, Mikhail's transition defense was vital. Okay, Knicks game. What I think needs to be noted there, the only real reason that this game didn't get out of hand sooner is because Evan Fournier started really, really hot from the field, um, from deep especially. I think all three of Fournier's three threes came in the first quarter, all three of them. So, he he set the tone really quickly and made the Suns pay. Basically, what happened is, I believe, um, Mikhail was guarding Kemba, but started they started to switch more. Mikhail was starting to just freely rotate the way that he does, playing that free safety role. He got out on a couple of them. Um, they were switching and, and whatever he was communicating. Um, they also, I have to shout out, were incredible defensively on Julius Randle, who was not Mikhail's assignment. He hardly ever was involved. It was basically uh, Randle and Fournier would would do two-man games. So it was Booker and it was Crowder who were guarding Randle. Their double-teaming and swarming of him were excellent. But Mikhail helped squelch that Fournier run by closing out on him, communicating. You can just see the impact that he's having and by doing the same when Kemba made a few threes in the second quarter. And then from there, I mean, the Suns still outscored. They were up double digits at halftime, but from there it was it was really just over. Um, but the Booker defense thing brings us to the main, uh, not the main point, but the other point here in terms of the positives of this game, of these games. Back-to-back 30-point nights for Devin Booker, over 50% from the field in both games, actually right about at 50 um, most importantly about Booker's performances, though, taking and making threes still, because I actually think that there's some of these types of games that worry you more in terms of whether Booker is going to stick to the script with this stuff, because, and I'm sorry, it's getting, it's getting dark behind me. Um, I will actually go turn the light on. Just give me one moment. I'm, I'm producing myself in real time. Patience, please. One second. That looks much better. That looks more like the uh, background that you guys are used to. Okay. You can get worried with games like this from Devin Booker that he is going to resort back to some of the two-point loving that he does, right? Because he could have, I mean, he could still have scored 30, I think, in both of these games without ever stepping foot behind that three-point line because, what, he was being guarded by uh, Kevin Durant slash DeAndre Bembry. I mean, those are not... Look, they're not slouches, but those guys are not the types that he struggles with. And then against the Knicks, R.J. Barrett did a decent job, but just wasn't kind of ready for Book's tricks. So he could have done that without ever shooting these threes, but he did it anyway. And that shows me a lot more commitment to this, even than some of these other games where he may have been, you know, not 
it might not have been as necessary for him to focus in, if you know what I mean, the Rockets or the Kings and teams like that. The fact that he's still taking these threes is huge. Last, but lastly, last but not least, he is above 30, uh, 40% from three-point range now on the season, 41% for Booker. He's taking 6.1 per game, and he's up to 122 total attempts. If anything near this were to hold above 40%, above 39%, his previous career high was 383 So he is in uncharted territory. If anything near this holds up over the course of a full season, we're about a fourth of the way through now, it would be clearly a career high, unforeseen, incredible, the type of leap we've all been waiting for for such a long time from deep. His field goal percentage is still low, but you have to keep in mind when you're making taking more threes, that's going to naturally happen, right? Because that's why the 50-40-90 thing is so hard, because if you're taking enough threes to where it's really a weapon for you, your field goal percentage is going to tend to go down. So that'll be pretty interesting to watch, but he is wiping away my expectations in this regard, and he has been so, so awesome. I'm, I love watching these types of stretches from Booker. They always tend to happen about a month, two months into the season. We're getting one right now. I think it will continue against the Warriors because Andrew Wiggins is probably going to get him would be my guess, I, I think. And I don't think that's going to really worry him. So that will continue. We'll talk more about that Warriors game. I want to just kind of talk through it loosely here. And uh, we'll do some of our usual recap segments, of course, as well. Bilt Bar, though, is... The most important topic of conversation now, because they are delicious, because I got to try their new flavors, which are the ruby chocolate puff and also the lemon cheesecake puff, these marshmallowy ones. So they're not as hard and proteiny on the inside. They're fully soft. They're just straight up a marshmallow. They're kind of like the Russell Stover Christmas. Probably shouldn't have said the name of another thing, but these are better. So I'm not telling you to buy those. I'm saying buy these because they taste better. The chocolate snowmen or Christmas trees with the marshmallow, that's what they taste like. But they have flavor. They're not just marshmallows. And they have protein. And they're low in sugar and calories compared to those types of candies. But the other reason we're talking about Built Bar is it's the best Monday of the year coming up today, folks, which is Cyber Monday. And Built.com is the place to aim your mouse. Get at least 20% off everything delicious and healthy across the site. 20% off site-wide and even bigger discounts on Built Boost. Built Broth, and Built Swag, some of their newer offerings over at Built. Tis the season to save and to give your taste buds the gift of Built Bar. So get to Built.com for these incredible tasting new bars and 20% off everything by heading to Built.com. Code LOCKED20 before it's too late. Today's show also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the best place and the fastest place to make a bet across the internet, no matter if it's Thanksgiving or any weekend. They are your one-stop shop for football. They are your one-stop shop for basketball, college basketball, women's college basketball, men's, NHL, boxing, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games, all of it. Bet online is your number one spot for all the sports action. Head to their new updated website or their mobile app. Make an account today, and when you do, use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% Welcome bonus. That's promo code locked on. When you make your first deposit, get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online. We make the bets. Okay. Closing out the show. Talking bench. Um, so the first place to start, bench mob vibe check. That's the segment. You guys know the segment. 
Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen so that you do know the segments that we do at the end of every show. Um, Bench Mob Vibe Check, got to do this one. Still running with this nine-man rotation, so I want to just kind of continue to update. So I basically made the case last time we talked that the way that this was going to play out for the Suns is that they're, they were going to have one guy every night who had to play a ton of minutes. So uh, it didn't really end up happening against the Knicks because they blew the Knicks out. But even then, Mikhail Bridges played 39 minutes, and he played 41 in the second night of the back-to-back. So it's probably going to be him most nights. There was a couple during this portion where they've had to do the the nine-man thing where it was actually Mikhail, or where it was actually Book. So it's not ideal, but the reason that's happening is because um, Kevin, Kevin, um, Frank Kaminsky and... Abdul Nader are both out still, and it doesn't seem to be, I mean, there hasn't been an update, so I guess I don't want to say it doesn't seem to be good, but they are both kind of, well, we know with Kaminsky that it's a stress reaction, so that's an actual injury, that's probably going to be a while, but the Nader thing, it was still supposed, supposedly at the beginning, this was, um, injury management, I think is what they were calling it doesn't seem to be that anymore so you're getting into this situation now where guys are having to play a ton to make up for that I'm looking Mikhail Bridges currently oh he's not that high in okay so I was I was maybe I was crying wolf a little bit by according to ESPN he is only 34th in the NBA minutes per game at 34.2 let me see if that's the right number yeah okay well as long as you keep that in check over the course of a full season, I guess it doesn't worry me as much for somebody to play that much for just a little bit at a time. Um, so maybe I was crying wolf a little bit there, but the other part of this bench that I think I just want to hit on again is the complete value of why JaVale McGee was such a big addition is coming into clarity in a pretty humongous way. Um, against the Knicks, he had eight rebounds He was and six points. And then against the Nets, he had a double-double with, again, those five offensive rebounds. He's been a big part of that pace to kind of bring this full circle because not only is he, you know, controlling baskets, but the reason I think that we can't undersell that this pace increase has mattered for the Suns is, or that it's worked, I guess, the fact that they've been actually able to do it is that, and again, I think that the, the versatility that Dario Scharch and Frank Kaminsky bring adds another element to this team that's that's valuable. And I, I think we all hope that Dario can get back in time to potentially play in the playoffs. TBD, we're nowhere close to that yet. But what the byproduct of not having those guys right now is, is that though JaVale and Aiton are two of the best rim-running, floor-running big men in the entire NBA. So you're able to keep that style going for 48 straight minutes relentlessly because... JaVale can play 15 to 20 minutes so Aiton can keep fresh. And what that all ends up meaning is that there's no there's no pause. You don't ever see the Suns have to play slow because of who's on the floor or anything. And so, I mean, that in and of itself is, is, is obviously a big part of why the Suns wanted JaVale and why his value has been felt so big. He's not fouling as much. He's not turning the ball over as much. So he's been really huge. Um, that was really it from the bench this time around. The other one that I know I've talked about is 
the, you know, how many shots is Mikael Bridges taking? How many field goal attempts did Mikael Bridges have? He was third most on the team against Brooklyn. He was, you know, it was pretty balanced against uh, the Knicks. Really only Booker took more than 10 shots. Cameron Payne had 11. But I want to just say and kind of go back a little bit. The breakout for Bridges is happening. I mean, he's still shooting 39% from deep. He was at 43% last year. So that has continued. And so, you know, the, the usage is down, right? I mean, it's it's actually now down from last season, as crazy as that is to say. But he never turns the ball over, so that helps the usage. His turnovers are down. So usage is shot attempts and turnovers. It's just possessions used. So assists don't count there. So what I'm saying is, I think the, sh- the you know, the involvement in the offense still feels in a very good place. But he's impacting the game in so many ways now that I think that that might just be the type of player that he's going to be for this team. And again, with Aiton sort of being the guy that I think really unlocks things, as we talked about a few times last week, that's really where I think this offense is headed. I don't really think Bridges becoming that sort of guy is in the cards. Maybe when Chris Paul retires or whatever, that might be the time. That's a, that's a long way away. That's not matter really relevant to this season. So I just want to kind of put on the record that like I'm okay with where things are there and I think it's still perfectly valuable and the breakout is still there. So he did take the third amount of third most shots on it against the Nets and he's been really involved but even if he's not we all see the impact no matter what and I think I'm kind of backing off the idea that he needs to really up the usage and all that right away to be an effective player. So uh Yes, two segments got a little bit of Bridges love, but that's the type of thing that you get when you crack a career high. And he's going to have his work cut out for him against the Golden State Warriors. I will have a guest on tomorrow's show, hoping for um, Aaron Edwards. Of He's a writer at, at NBA Desktop with Jason Concepcion. Sorry, it is called uh, <laughs> All Caps NBA. That was a complete mistake by me. Uh, it is now part of Crooked Media. Aaron does a great job writing and he's part of the cast there and he's a big Suns fan. So I'm going to have him on. I'll give more of my Warriors thoughts, but that's a good place to end because Mikhail has historically struggled with Curry for obvious reasons. Getting through screen after screen after screen is very difficult and it, te- it takes a lot of energy. And if you're much bigger than Curry, it's very hard to be as fast as him around those screens. So that will be the number one thing that I am watching heading into that Tuesday night game, but we'll have all of Tuesday's show to talk about that. So keep it right here. Thank you for making Locked on Suns your first listen. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, keep riding high off of 16 straight wins and keep looking forward to this game because, man, is it going to be a good one.